you're listening to Not Many of You Should Become Teachers, a podcast that explores the world of K-12 education as it intersects with the Christian faith. You might call us extreme moderates. We're skeptics who try not to be cynics and are allergic to cheap rhetoric. Welcome to the show. Yeah, part two, coming right at you, part two with Tessa and Jacob, some of the students that we met last week in our part one episode. If you haven't heard it, you're going to want to go back there. It is awesome. But today, part two, here we go. When I asked you guys about uh, theory of knowledge, it's really because as you were sitting here talking as IB students about the IB program, about all these academic subjects that you're in, and you're also in chapel leadership. And I love that, that prompting all the time of questioning of why, you know, that's an answer to everything, why and question and, and be skeptical in a sense. That's really what it's getting you to do. Sometimes, and I, I, I'm hesitating, I don't want to be too simplistic, but sometimes in the way we think of faith formation and our religious activities in, in Christian faith life, that question, why, is a dangerous question. It's, you shouldn't be, there's, it's almost implied you shouldn't be asking that. Here is received knowledge, like, just, just accept it. So, has, has IB, your IB students in a Christian school, your experience or your, uh, your, your thought process through being high academic IB students in a school community that calls itself Christian, what does that even look like? What Dave is trying to say. Yeah, so what Dave is really trying to say, which I, we've had a whole episode where like the, the historical thinking episode was just kind of like, so Dave, what are you really trying to say here? <laughs> but what I, I think what you, he's really trying to say is what does questioning, which is such a, a crucial competency in theory of knowledge and just academia in general, how does, what does that look like in faith and learning? Yeah, recently, um, for last week's chapel, uh, we actually had a sit down with a couple teachers to plan this week's chapel. Um, and so we had a couple humanities teachers and our biology teacher uh, and a lot of history and English. And uh, even our theory of knowledge teacher was the, uh, present in our conversation. And uh, through that conversation, one of the key takeaways that I heard was that we have to build a ductile or malleable faith. And so I think that uh, questioning faith is really important, that uh, faith and learning especially can't happen without us questioning in the first place. It, I think it requires some, a sense of curiosity to dwell into our own faith. Um, and one of the teachers it, during that meeting mentioned that there's so many people at the school, including teachers, that have all decided to follow Jesus and have to decided to follow God. Yet the way that they look upon life and the way that they look upon different situations and different controversial topics is so very different. Yet the one thing that brings us together is our pursuit of Jesus Christ. And so in that way, I think that it's, it's possible to have different beliefs and different perspectives on different topics. Yet the, the core, what's at the core is that we're all putting in effort to follow Jesus Christ. And I think that it looks different in certain ways and especially in different subjects of different teachers all sharing different opinions. And we hear those opinions voiced um, during our chapel sometimes about how uh, some teachers may not agree or some teachers may strongly agree with things said in our chapels. Um, but when taking it back to faith and learning, I think that um, TOK and us asking why, 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 and really hammering um, our core beliefs out is really helped me at least uh, affirm my beliefs and really 
allowed me to confide in what I believe in and be build a stronger foundation of knowledge on why I'm doing what I'm doing in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Can I can I jump off of that? Mm-hmm. As you were talking, one kind of just sentence just popped into my head is that knowledge demands to be thought about. Like when we have knowledge, we have. <laughs> I, I am consistently. Uh, knocked to the floor, well, metaphorically, by some of the the thoughts that have been displayed. So continue, but just meanwhile, I'll be just shook over here, quite shook. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, knowledge demands to be thought about, meaning that for in order for knowledge to be meaningful and for it to resonate in a mind, you have to pour over it, you have to think about it. And like you said, it has to be malleable. It has to withstand the test of your thoughts coming at it and kind of pelting it with challenges. And I think something, a conversation I had with someone today actually, is that one of the biggest struggles they had, kind of being a part of the faith and learning at the school, is that they feel, or the words they use is that, they feel that bleach is constantly, constantly being dripped down their throat. Not poured, but that there's this there's a subtle dripping of bleach down their throat, metaphorically, of course, and that it means that they don't agree with what's being fed to them. And I think that metaphor is very important, being fed to you. You're not going after it. It's come to chapel, get talked at. And to me, that, that kind of described sanitizing and socializing faith. When we, uh, sanitizing, it's inspired mm. by Mr. McFarland, you used it before. And socializing is that we take faith and learning at the school that we go to and we kind of, we turn it into something completely social. Like we came up with the mm. term last week called socio-spiritual. It's integrating your social standing and your spiritual standing. There are set fixed boundaries that no one dares to cross here. Like when someone says, fold your hands, close your eyes and bow your head in prayer with me. Where in the Bible does it say to do that? That's something that our teachers taught us in kindergarten so we wouldn't get distracted. Yet, if you catch someone not doing it, there's suddenly this faith becomes social. It's, I can't believe this has happened. Where that's like prayer, your physical position in prayer is a social construct that did not exist in the Bible. So I guess that's one thing with socializing and sanitizing faith. Mm, And kind of jumping off of that, the faith culture especially at the school that we go to at least in the students mindset is that faith should be something between black and white that there is a certain boundary in which um, our faith has to look like like our faith mm-hmm. um, has to look a certain way and we have to act a certain way to be a Christian at the school that we go to but in reality like I mentioned before even among the teachers they, they don't demonstrate that black and white theology it's more there, there's that gray area of what faith is but Although everyone's faith may look different according to their own personal experiences and uh, their upbringing and things like that, but we all have that commonality of us following Jesus. But I don't think anyone's faith can look this identical or the same as anyone else's, and there's no black or white when it comes to faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so, well, a couple of things. that The fact that you mentioned the sanitization, like the, the metaphor is just so rich. I'm sure we'll, we'll return to that in a, in a future episode. Because um, it's very clean, it, make, it makes me feel like no one's read the Book of Judges recently. If you if you want something that's just less sanitary, but I also, um, yeah, thinking about the gray area, the gray is where the growth happens in so many in so many shapes and forms. And I think uh, it, it brings me back to some of the words of Peter Enns, who's who's just a fabulous um, podcaster and theologian. Uh, talking about how God lets his children tell a story. And in doing that, 
um, diversity takes place. And if those two go together, he feels like, and I think these are his words, I may be confused with another person, but, but the same thought, same vein of thought that God in doing this must actually like diversity. That it can't possibly, in looking through this lens, it can't possibly be as black and white as people before us ha- have said. Um, so embracing that gray area is such a, is so bold. And uh, to, qu- to ask questions is, is honestly to just do a nosedive right into it, which is just fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. So um, because you got like you guys are on the chapel committee, but you were on the the new newly formed as of 30 seconds ago. Not many of you should become teachers committee as well, um, which we've just started just this very moment. So what are you looking for in future episodes? Like what like what what intrigues you? What um, like we already asked what keeps you coming back? But in the future, like, oh, I'd love an episode on this. or I'd love to, t- I'd love Mr. McFarland and, or, or I guess it's Dave now, Dave and Riley to tackle this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this one is quite specific, but I think very doable. One thing I'm really interested in hearing about or that I want to be, I want to hear it be engaged is the worship music complex. And I've talked about this with, or we've talked about mm-hmm. this with Mr. McFarland before, how the worship music industry has become an industry. And that's something very recent. It's new, it's not orthodox in the church. Before, it used to be, we sing to praise. But now, it's something, you can play it in your car, which is wonderful. You can play it in your car, you can play it anywhere. Could I just add, like you said, we sing to praise, but now it's almost, we sing to please. Like, think about it. Like, there's certain songs we don't sing anymore because people don't enjoy singing them. Mm. Sorry, I just thought that, (laughs) I thought that was a pretty good quip. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree with that. I think one thing I thought about just now is, I think you said this on a former podcast, you said, Within the worship genre exists the Jesus is my boyfriend subgenre, and I thought that <laughs> that was so accurate. And that yes, there's there's become like because music has been industrialized, there's become a lot of subdivision there to please people. Because now it's not I listen and I sing and I create music to praise. It's something for enjoyment, which is not wrong, but it is almost for leisure now, and it takes it out of the church and extrapolates kind of extrapolates it into something not secular but a gray area between church and outside of church yeah i think an episode that personally i'd like to see is tackling like controversial topics in society or in our community or even just the greater like the global community and tackling that with the preconceived knowledge of our theology or the faith that we have and how should we be uh, regarding these situations and these topics and where where should we stand on these topics where there's such a large spectrum of people standing far left far right or wherever they are on the spectrum there's so many different opinions yet where should we be standing among that spectrum and so like controversial topics like gay marriage or um, anything like politics or even um, LGBTQ society um, where there's so many different opinions from society that tells us whether they're secular or uh, faith-backed opinions. There's just so many of the where do we stand. I think you guys are exactly right and 
Jacob, we would be doing you as students a disservice to to use the word we used a few minutes ago to sanitize our discourse to not don't speak of it, don't mention it. It doesn't exist. Uh, it does exist, and it it is not just worthy of. It demands uh, Christian, thoughtful, faithful engagement with. So, yeah, I and. No, I love I love what you said, and I and I going off of what Dave was talking about with sanitization. If there's a space to talk about it, it has got to be here. Like, if there's stuff that we can't talk about at this school, then we're failing as a school. Uh, Bruxy Cavey, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he actually came to the church that I attend. Uh, I was not the school you teach at the, the church, church that I attend. attend. Uh, I actually wasn't there that 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 week, but he had a Q and A session, and he kind of sent the cue back to the church. He just said, "Raise your hand if you think gay marriage is wrong." Raise, and then he did the opposite. Now, raise your hand if you're not sure. Raise your hand if you're convinced that it's that it's fine. And it he, he people were like tentative. They're like looking at each other, and he's like, "Church, if there's a space to talk about it, it has to be here." And I feel like that is something that is synonymous with our our Christian schooling especially when it comes to how much we value questioning and thinking. It's got to take place here. And yeah, what Mr. Dewey Riley just said about how this school is the place where we should be having this kind of conversation. And this, just to tie this back to the IB Learner Profile, and if you're not familiar with the IB Learner Profile, it's the type of student or traits of a student that uh, the IB program wants to develop. And out of the 10 or so uh, traits that the IB diploma program wants to develop in their students is risk takers and being open-minded. And so the conversation of, contra- like co- having a conversation about controversial topics really opens up your mind to different opinions that can be there. And just taking that risk to initiate that conversation in the first place, yeah, I think that this school should be the place where we're having this kind of conversation. Yet, I question whether or not we are currently doing so. And I don't think that a lot of students feel that this school is safe enough or um, feel as if they're going to be judged if they bring up a certain topic like that. And I think that there's some kind of change that that needs to be initiated so that it is a safer environment where people aren't afraid to be judged, where they can have a conversation about controversial topics and share their opinion without uh, having any negative repercussions. And that's... That's a very delicate balance, both for students, and, and I think you guys, you're certainly mature enough to understand, we, we're talking an audience to, to educators, to teachers, there's a developmental um, appropriateness, we've talked about that before in the, on this show, of just being aware, you know, and there's a professionalism that has to take place, but, but absolutely a, a Christian school um, that, is, that is steeped, to use my own word, that is steeped in IB, that we have our own learner portrait, and there's all these, these values that we are trying to, to bring across. That, that has to be at the forefront. This, this language, Tessa, you said safe, that it has to be a, a safe place, that this has to be a, a courageous place, right? That, that is not, not afraid to shy away from some of these things. So the fact that we are hearing it on, on our show from, uh, directly from students is, it's both a challenge. I, I think I can speak for you too, Riley. It's a challenge to me as an educator here to be on staff here. Um, and it's, it's also massively encouraging to know that this is not just a one-sided thing that students... Yeah, another one of the 10 traits of an IB student that is on the learner profile is inquirers that they want you to be questioning, which falls in with reflective a bit. But I found it 
almost ironic, not to be cynical, but a, a tad ironic, that despite this being one of the qualities that we value, that we almost pedestalize, is that the issue with socializing faith is that when you socialize, you stifle conversation to an extent. There are some no-go boundaries that no one's going to touch. Like if you are wrestling with something, despite many of the authoritative figures here really encouraging and endorsing struggling with faith, a lot of, I think, the majority of people feel like that is just not something they're willing to put out there because there's so many boundaries that cannot be crossed or felt like people feel that they cannot cross when you socialize faith. So one of the things we ask all of our guests is what they're reading. And as your IB history teacher, I actually know what you're reading or I know what you're supposed to be reading. So uh, in a month, however, you're going to have a little bit more free time. So besides the the book, I have a book in mind actually now that we've been talking about it. Besides the book that we're going to give you as a, as a gift for being on our podcast, uh, what are you looking forward to having time to read? Um, on that notion of like having time to read, even just today, uh, Tessa approached me and said that the bookstore online was getting giving away 10 times the reward points. It's in and the GoPlum points. It's 10 well, times. Oh, yeah. So and so she came up to me and asked me if I wanted any kind of books, and I kindly rejected that offer. Um, but yeah, in May, when we have a little, after all our exams and we finish up and we have a little bit more time to read, I think I'm really looking forward to picking up that habit of reading again that I've kind of faded from or walked away from as through how busy we are with IB. And like you mentioned, in history class, we're reading the history textbook, you probably know what we're mainly studying and reading. Um, but other than that, I think not a certain book, but a certain author really like works with me. And I think it's really popular among uh, students as well and teachers, but C.S. Lewis, um, does the, not but his shorter books, the, the ones about faith, those are, I think, a lot of them, they're so good, in my opinion. Uh, and they're just talking about theology and some of them, yet it brings it into su su the light of reality and how faith is affecting our reality, in a sense. And so I think that that's one of our, my favorite authors. And I don't think I could pick a favorite book, but yeah. I can pick a favorite book, uh, the Bible. It's <laughs> 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 that was the joke. She got me there. <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah, because I came up to him earlier and said, oh, one of the questions is, who are you reading? And I'm not that big on the self-improvement genre yet. I'm not mm -hmm. at that age. But I said, I would say the Bible. I hope it's not like too much of a joke. It's it's half-half. It's that gray zone. But realistically, I actually, I do consider myself an avid reader, but not academically, unless it's enforced. Like, when you assign me history readings, of course, but... Um, for my own personal leisure reading, I prefer to get out of the realm of nonfiction and into fiction because I think, or this is actually not a direct quote, but something I read a long time ago, or recently actually, is that um, fact and fiction are very much interlinked. That with if you read only fact, your brain will survive, but without fiction and stories, your heart will not. And I think that's extremely important to my own like mind development. It's that when I stray away from the nonfiction, I get to build up that other part of my knowledge. When I think of the head, it's like half brain, then it's half heart. So I think actually the one I'm working on right now is A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking, which is quite cerebral, quite academic. But when I'm reading it, I always have in mind that this was written by someone who does not believe in a divine creator at all. And they're literally picking apart and almost pillaging this, the Big Bang Theory and trying to prove it from its very fundamental states. And 
I think the more I read that, the more it helps me to wrestle with my own thoughts about believing in a creator and to develop a heart perspective as well as a head perspective on that big controversial issue. Yeah, fiction, I, I resonate with that. C.S. Lewis does fiction too, by the way, just in case you didn't know. And I don't know if you're familiar with Jan Martel, Life of Pi in the High Mountains of Portugal, That another just fabulous um, faith, faith in fiction. That could be a new new sec- segment of the show. Um, but uh, faith in fiction, um, there's more than them, obviously, but those are some of, some of my favorites. Um, we'd love to thank you for being on the show. Uh, this has been fabulous. We're uh, we we're looking forward to this, and I think it's uh, exceeded all of my expectations, and I'm sure Dave can say the same. So uh, thank you once again for coming on the show. Thank yeah, thank you. you so much for having <laughs> us. Yeah. All right. Um, listeners, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, you're going to want to hit the subscribe button on your app of choice. In addition to that, if you enjoyed what you heard, uh, you can give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever it is that you use to listen to podcasts. If you want to engage in this conversation, you can find us on Twitter, which is at NotManyOfYou. We post all of our links and anything on uh, about new episodes on our Twitter, so that's where you're going to want to go. Until then, uh, we're looking forward to chatting more faith and learning, and we will see you next time.